Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Hey, well, good morning, Love City Church. I'm glad you're with us online today in your home. Um, as always, I say this, but I just want you to know I mean it. I cannot wait for us to gather in this place together, and we miss you guys so much, and we just miss being around you and, uh, you know, being near you, worshiping in the house of God together. Uh, I really miss it deeply, and I can't wait to do that with you soon, um, but hopefully you're still engaging in a group, and uh, you know there's a lot of fun things coming up. June, July, and August, we're planning a uh, physical outings outside, and we'll all going to hum together. There's no singing, just humming, and uh, just kidding. Um, anyways, it's going to be a lot of fun, and we encourage you to come on out and join us for those. You'll hear more about that soon, but come on, we're going to start a new series uh, today. For the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, something called Hidden Treasures, and then on the fourth Sunday of June, I'm going to be focusing on our vision for the rest of our year. And I'm super excited about that. God's given us a fresh, fresh vision uh, for this new season, and we're really excited to be able to tell you more about it, as well as give you kind of a picture of our reentry plan uh, after this whole COVID experience. And so it's going to be awesome, and we look forward to having you there on the 24th. But until then, we're going to be focusing on hidden treasures. And so I want to read our key text today. Um, It's found in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. And this is really the key text for the entire series. It's where the idea came from for a hidden uh, treasure. Uh, Matthew 13, 44. You can look on the screen uh, below you there. Open your Bible at home if you'd like, either your digital Bible or your paper Bible. And I'm going to read it right here out of uh, my Bible here. It says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field. Come on, let me pray for a moment. Okay, Father, I just pray today, Lord, as I share your word, the Lord, that you would just go to every home right now, Father. And as we talk about these values, as we talk about these hidden treasures, Lord, that we've discovered over this season. I pray you'd speak to uh, everyone watching, everyone at home, those who know you, and those who don't, God, I pray, would hear a message of hope today. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you look at this verse, you see that it identifies, Jesus is identifying what the kingdom of heaven uh, looked like. He's talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the, the God's reign, God's throne, God's uh, life uh, on the earth today. And he's talking about uh, what it looks like. And he wants to bring it down to a really simple form so that you and I can understand it. And so he, he identifies that a, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field. Now, I want you to notice something about this field, and these are maybe my observations, but after much study about this field, you'll probably agree with me that this was an ordinary field. It doesn't identify uh, anything about this field that makes it extraordinary. It's just an ordinary field. Uh, Most likely, this man walked by this field all the time, and so the field was familiar, and also this field cost something. he had to purchase it. It was, it was for sale. It was something that you could purchase. And so this field was ordinary. This field was familiar. And this field had a cost. And so here we're talking about this field that had a hidden treasure. And right off the bat, we recognize that the kingdom of heaven sometimes is, can feel to people ordinary, familiar, and 
too much of a cost. And so this idea of this field in this verse is helping us identify what the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like in our lives uh, today. And so each of, um, each, each of uh, these uh, these descriptions can also identify some of the things that we're going to talk about as we go forward in our series, we're going to talk about some values that have come up uh, even in my own life, some things that I discovered and thing, hidden treasures that I often walked by this field of these, these values, these treasures, and I didn't realize that it, it, was, it felt sometimes so ordinary and so familiar. Sometimes it took a little bit of cost on my end to contribute to that thing, but I realize now that these hidden treasures are, uh, when, you, when you invest into them and when you give yourself to them, you experience the kingdom of God in your life, you experience this amazing reality when you invest your life into these things. They might seem familiar, they might seem ordinary, and they might seem costly. But if we can understand these things are such tremendous treasures for your life, they are like the kingdom of God, you will experience something incredible in your life if you simply invest into those things. And so we see a man. This man is simply walking by. He probably walked by this field many times. He walks by the field and he looks out one day and something about the field struck him. I don't know if it was a, a bag of gold or a treasure box or maybe there was a shimmering light or maybe there was an abnormal bump in the sand or I don't know what it was, but he walked by and he recognized something different about this field. There's, I've walked by this a hundred times. It's just an ordinary old field that's been for sale forever. And this time I walked by and they caught my attention. There was something about it that caught my eye. There was something about it that struck me different. There was something about it that I look at it now and I realize there's something unique about this plot of land, this field. And I'm going to go over and look at it. And so the man went through the field and it says in the scripture that he kind of stumbled over this this, this treasure, and he stumbles over the treasure, and, and I imagine he probably got down, obviously I'm thinking like a treasure box, you know, he clears out this treasure box and opens it up, finds this incredible treasure, and it says in the scripture that he, he hid it again, because he didn't want anyone else to find it, and he went back into town, he went to the bank, he closed all of his bank accounts, closed all of his mutual funds, he cashed in all of it, he put his house up for sale, he sold every possession that he had, just so that he could afford to purchase this piece of land. And he went back and he bought the piece of land because all for the simple treasure that was in this land. And so we see that this man was so excited about the idea of obtaining this treasure that he gave everything up to have it. We see in the scripture that that is what the kingdom of God was like. And a lot of people probably thought this guy was crazy. They probably looked at him and thought, you know, that's just an ordinary field. They probably thought, you know what, There's, that's just a field we all walk by all the time. You know, the, the, the field's overpriced. Like, I'm telling you, you're making a bad deal. It's a bad return on your investment. Don't spend all your money. Don't give everything to that. Don't go all, all in and go all in on that, all your eggs in that basket. Come on. Like, that's not a good return on your investment. That's not a good decision. And this man went and did it anyways, knowing that there was something special about that field and that's what God says the kingdom of God is like. And often when it comes to things that are valuable to God and things that are uh, extraordinary to God, often those things to regular people seem ordinary. They don't understand what this man saw. They don't understand what this man experienced. They don't understand that this man experienced something incredible when he found this treasure and he was willing to give everything up for it. 
So what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks is this. We're going to talk about this, this field and this hidden treasure. And I want to identify three hidden treasures that I have found in this field that we've been in for the last three or four months. These, this field that we've been walking in, that at st- start, it started as a little bit uh, uh, out of the ordinary, but now it became a little bit more ordinary. And there's some things that happened in my life, and I'm just going to be honest with you on my journey that I faced some difficulty, and, and in the journey of my difficulty, I realized there was a hidden treasure in this field, and I began to invest into it and found that I began to experience satisfaction in the kingdom of God like never before, and I'm going to help you understand those things. And so the three things uh, here today that we're going to talk about for the next three weeks, the firstly today, we're going to talk about family. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about uh, rest, and then the following week, we're going to talk about trusting in the Lord. They sound familiar. They sound ordinary. Every one of them has a cost, but every one of them is like a welcoming of the kingdom of God into your life. And so today we're going to talk about the family. We talk about a little bit about this hidden treasure in the family. So I don't know about you, but whenever I go around, uh, you know, to the, the lake or, or around on a bike ride, it's kind of fun seeing, from from my perspective, all these dads hanging out with their kids. You know, you mean you see normally these dads would be at work, you know, but because of this experience where they had to be home, you know, they're out riding their bike with their kiddos. I mean, normally you would probably see the mom in most cases who maybe be at home or, uh, you know, some dads are staying at home with their kids and that's awesome. But, but specifically I'm referring to dads who are going to be gone and, and out, uh, you know, uh, at work, they're riding bikes with their, their kids and you see them having fires and you see the whole family unit together. And I just think, man, this is probably really special for people, for these kids who don't often have have their dad home Monday through Friday, you know, and how beautiful is that? And you recognize that there's something so cool about it. But I have to be really honest with you that in the very beginning of this season, um, I did not find my family super exciting. I was super annoyed. I'm just being honest with you. I was totally annoyed with the fact that normally my wife goes to work and my kids go to school and I have my home office and I've got this whole schedule and I've got this whole plan and I've got my own life and I've got my own ministry and when they come home we kind of we have that life and then at night we have a you know a different life when the kids go to bed and so we have these three phases but now my kids and my wife are now in my business they're in my stuff you know they're outside my office door they're coming just coming in with a rainbow or a Rambo mask on shooting me with nerf guns doing zoom calls and my wife shouting me, why didn't you take out the trash? She only did that one time and I should have taken out the trash because I told her I would. So ultimately it was my fault, not your fault. Whoop, whoop, whoop. But, you know, I just found that I was really annoyed and I don't know why. Uh, I remember a time my wife told me to take out the trash. I said, I'll do it in a minute. And I had settled in on my couch to watch Netflix. And I had my, you know, my uh, non-alcoholic beer because I'm drinking non-alcoholic beer these days and non-alcoholic beer and I had uh, a bag of chips and I had all these things and I had my Netflix show about to go and here I go and I didn't really honestly think about whether or not my wife wanted to watch it with me. I was just kind of thinking about myself and all of a sudden I'm sitting there and she says, why didn't you take out the trash? And I said, you take out the trash. (laughs) I'm a terrible person. I'm sorry. But I said, you take out the trash. And she said, excuse me? And at that moment I realized, wow, I am one selfish person. And I had this epiphany. I realized that I was putting myself first, that I was being selfish, and that I had gotten so used to focusing on my ministry and my church and the people 
and the career and the job that now when I have my children and my wife and my life on a regular basis, I hadn't created space for them. That I was now, I had moved my family to a part of my day. They had now been a section or a few hours of my evening, but the most important thing to me was what I wanted to do. What I wanted to eat, what I wanted to watch, what time I wanted to go to bed, how I wanted to live my life. And this wasn't a long process, but I really realized that I needed to make an adjustment in my life. If I was going to experience something, and I began to get, you know, my wife and I had a few moments where we bowed it, and, you know, things were a little bit scary for a moment because we're just really going for it. And I realized that it was because I was being incredibly selfish in my life and that I was not prioritizing my family. And I began to realize something during the season. I, I realized that th my family was like a field that I just walked by every day. It was ordinary. It was familiar. And it cost me way too much to engage. It cost me the TV. It cost me my son wanted me to come kiss him at night. It cost me having to get up earlier to, to, to hang out with him. It cost me maybe pushing work aside for an hour to go fishing with my son. It cost me so many different, it cost me my time. It cost me my energy. It cost me my affection. It cost me the moments of discipline when my son was acting out. I'm so tired. All I want to do is just do not, I'm just thinking about myself, thinking about myself. It takes energy and effort. We walk by the field of our family every single day of our lives. We walk by our parents. We walk by our, 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 uh, our siblings. We walk by our children. And we get into this familiar rut where it's ordinary, it's familiar, and honestly, it just costs too much. And I realized something in this journey that I had just been accustomed to being all about me. And the reality is, is that I have to admit to you, that's just my human nature. The reality is it's yours too. It's our human nature to think first and foremost about me about what I want, about my life, about my desires, about what makes me comfortable. And in reality, this is not what God wired us to do as followers of Jesus. When we think about ourselves, and some of us are wired with an extra interest to care for other people, but most of us generally only are thinking of ourselves most of the time unless we are constantly trying to reflect the image and character and nature of Jesus Christ. So ultimately, I had to die to myself. And I had to have a moment where I realized, it was my, my, the Holy Spirit via my wife looking me in the eyes saying, you are being so selfish. And I said, you're being selfish. And she said, you're being selfish. And I said, you're right, I am. I'm being so selfish. And I realized in that moment that I was missing out on experiencing the kingdom of God in my life because I was thinking about myself. I was walking by the field every day of my life, not realizing the power of what family is in my life. And as I began to serve my wife and I began to make more time for my children and I began to work past my tiredness and think past myself and I began to invest into them and I realized at the end of the season, I gotta say that I've experienced the, some of the most satisfaction, the most deep fulfilling uh, fulfillment of my life I've ever experienced. And it was because I made a priority to make my family my first ministry. We find this in Genesis chapter 1, actually. In Genesis chapter 1, 27 to 28. It says, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, 
and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it was very good. So here's humans placed in the Garden of Eden, which was the kingdom of heaven on earth. And they walked in the cool of the day. They hung out with God. They said, hey, listen, what you're supposed to do, we find these components in the Garden of Eden. God's got, God got you figured out. He knows what he wants for you. Either A, he wants you to be in a loving relationship with, a, with, with someone that you can develop a life with, or B, maybe he's called you not to have that. And that's between you and the Lord. And so today, we're talking a little bit about marriage and kids, but if you're aspiring towards marriage and want to be married, listen up today because I want to encourage you that it's easy, even when you're married, to be single again. It's easy to get what you want in marriage and refocus back on yourself again. And so make sure that you recognize it in this scripture when the Garden of Eden, the very first unit that God had was a marriage between a man and a woman. And he said, multiply, have children. And as you know, Adam and Eve were, were able to reign in the garden, but then they were told not to eat of the fruit of the tree. And you know what they did? They chose themselves over God. So the same thing I did when I wanted to watch Netflix and not help my wife, I was choosing myself over my wife. And so here in the scripture, we see that, that they were given permission to be married and to have children, and they had a purpose. I want you to govern. I want you to fill the earth. I want you to have dominion over the earth. I want you to have purpose and function within the context of your family. I want you to fulfill the purposes of God in your life. But then they chose themselves. Then they chose them. Then they chose me. And the Bible says that they were no longer able to be in the, in the garden. And what happened the moment that they exited the garden and they were only focused on themselves, Themselves. They had two children, and one of their sons, Cain, eventually killed Abel. There was dysfunction. There was drama. There were, things fell apart. The moment people started making it about themselves is the moment the family began to dissolve, and it became about me, and I never got fulfillment, and there had been fighting and anger and frustration and difficulty between the marriage and the children are fighting and things aren't good. Why? Because they're only thinking about themselves. But when we put our family first as our first ministry, you'll find that you begin to experience the Garden of Eden again. And thank be to Jesus, that's what Christ did. Christ died on the cross and he came back to restore access for you and me back into the Garden of Eden so that your marriage and so that your family and that your parents and that your relatives and that your children can experience the kingdom of heaven in their life today because when you begin to value the family that you have in your life and begin to put them first, obviously God first, but put them first and serve them, you will find satisfaction and fulfillment from relationships that you once clashed with before. And so we find in this verse here that, that, that we see this reality in the very beginning that God created man and woman and children to function. It was a value. It was a, a treasure. It was what happened in the kingdom of God. It was what happened in the kingdom of heaven, but only if they kept Christ first and they served one another. And so we see also that... Um, when you and I begin to value our family, we begin to invest into our relationships, into our family, you actually begin to fulfill your purpose. This is what I found, is that you find that you're, you're less worried about fulfilling your purpose, and you find that when I meant pastor and love on my children, and when I love on and pastor my wife, and when I reach out to my mom and dad, which I've been trying to talk to my parents more often, my brother, who and I have not had a great relationship in the past, now we're developing a great relationship, and we're working hard hard at it. What I have found is, is that I find that my purpose in life becomes more clear. 
I do. I find that I, I have more clarity on what God's calling me to do in life. And I have more clarity what he's, I, I tell, I kid you not, since I've had this mindset shift where I've stumbled upon this hidden treasure and I begin to invest into my family and begin to put them first. And I'm not perfect. Everyone knows that. But as I begin to invest in them, I have found clarity in my thinking for what God has called me to do. Why? Because my wife and my children and my parents and my family, they are first and foremost your first ministry. And so if you're investing into your first ministry, guess what? If you're fulfilling your purpose of your, for your family, guess what happens? You become clear in your thinking and you find there's fulfillment and satisfaction that comes from you serving someone other than just yourself. There's something so valuable, this hidden treasure. And our natural family is, did you know, is, is our first family. So the Bible says, for those who are married, husbands love your wife as Christ loves the church. What did Christ do for the church? He was brutally murdered. And I've been thinking a lot about this. Like, my wife could never serve me another day. And I have a biblical mandate to lay my life every down for lay my life down for her every single day and serve her no matter what, even if she never serves me another day. You want to know why? Because that's what Jesus does for us when we go straight from him. Does Jesus stop loving us? Does he stop serving us? Is Jesus only lay his life down for those who turn to him? Jesus laid his life down for all mankind, even those who rejected him, even those who mistreated him, even those who spit in his face. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As a husband, my responsibility is my first and foremost ministry is to die for my wife every day. In fact, I've come to the conclusion that I actually am not owed anything in this journey because if I'm like Jesus, Jesus, we owe Jesus everything, but Jesus gave away everything. That's what was our example for our husbands. Wives, it says, serve your, wives, serve your husbands as, it says, as the church is submitted to the church or, or to Christ. So there's another example of what a wife must do. And if you're doing that together, if a wife is laying her life down for her husband and serving, which my wife is incredible at doing for my life, I serve her, she serves me. It's this, the Bible says in, in Ephesians 5, 21, it's called mutual submission. And it says mutually submit to one another out of reverence and worship for God. So what happens is, is you begin to serve one another and you get to lay your life down and invest into this hidden treasure and say, I'm going to sell everything out. I'm going to sell everything just to buy this piece of field, this, this family relationship, and I'm going to invest into it and I'm going to go all in for it. Guess what happens? Is you begin to have all your needs served because you're focusing on someone else. Children, did you know that you're supposed to obey your parents? Did you know the Bible actually says you receive a double honor? And parents, you're supposed to train your children in the way that they should go. Do you know that you are your kid's first pastor? Do you know that Pastor Jesse is not your kid's pastor? You are. And you want to know how to pastor your kids? Live a life that they can follow. The more like Christ you are, the more like Christ they will become. And I've learned this the hard way because whenever I'm not like Christ, my son sure follows quickly. Whenever I say things I shouldn't say or I have thoughts I shouldn't speak out loud or behaviors, now Ezra says, Dad, there's neighbors. Don't say that. Or, Dad, he's correcting me. He's more like Jesus sometimes than I am. <laughs> and the reality is, is because we work really hard and we're not perfect. You are your children's pastors. They shouldn't be looking to me as their example only. They shouldn't be looking to Pastor Jesse or to other pastors or to other people. Your only example of what your life should look like is found right here in the Bible. And his name 
is Jesus. I am just a human, and I make a lot of mistakes, and everyone in the room knows that. Believe me. Today, you've got to recognize something. You've got to take ownership today. You've got to go all in. I know it's a lot of work. I know your children at times can seem very familiar and very ordinary. And sometimes you look at it and say, it's just too much of a cost for me to put the effort in. I want to make you a promise that if you begin to parent your children and you begin to, to, to you emulate Christ and they will emulate you, if you begin to parent, or I'm sorry, pastor your children, what will happen is you will begin to experience a deep inner satisfaction that you will never find from your job, that you will never find from that boat, that you will never find from that career, you will never find from those shoes, you'll never find from that retirement population or that retirement property. You will never, ever, ever find the fulfillment that God that, that you can find from laying your life down to serve, pastor your children and your family. Many of us think we're going to find, well, I'm going to go get my career, but I'm going to leave my family behind. Don't do that. Mom, I love my job. That's good. I'm glad you love your job. But remember, your children are your first. Your wife or your husband's your first. Your mom and your dad, your family, your brothers, your sisters. Focus on that. It's a hidden treasure. And there's something about it that I've discovered. I have found more joy from being on a walk with my family, talking about Jesus together. I have found more fulfillment and satisfaction from standing on this stage and preaching to thousands of people, hundreds of people. Any ministry endeavor I've ever done does not even pale in comparison to be able to invest into my children and tell them about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And if you can learn that reality and take ownership of what you're supposed to do, you'll find great satisfaction in your life as well. I want to make one more thought here about, uh, about this idea, and then we're going to let you go today. Our church, uh, I'm sorry, not only... Um, does the, the family entail the natural family? But the, the Bible also teaches very strongly about the spiritual family. So often in, in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter uh, 2, it says, Now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners, you're citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of the dwelling where God lives by his spirit. See, all of us, if you, if you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you are instantly a part of a greater family of God. You are instantly a part of a spiritual family. And you say, well, that sounds ordinary. That sounds familiar. Well, trust me, it's very ordinary and it's very familiar. But there is something absolutely supernatural about the, the, the followers of Jesus Christ gathering together physically in the house of God. There is something supernatural about being a brother and sister in Christ. You and I have nothing in common, yet I love you with the love of the Lord. We have a deep and a deep connection and relationship, not because we have the same hobbies, not because we like how each other dresses, not because we like the same movies, simply and only because of the name of Jesus Christ. That's called the spiritual family. And when you became a follower of Jesus Christ, you became a part of a spiritual family. But I want you to hear me today. This is something that I think that our culture, our culture has embraced, uh, I think, something that's not correct. I think there's a culture right now in our society today, we have accepted this idea that the natural family and the church are separate. We've accepted this idea that my natural family 
has a higher priority than my church or that my church has a higher priority than my family. Both are wrong. As followers of Jesus Christ, you have instantly become a brother and a sister, a mother and a father, a grandmother and a grandfather, an, an aunt and an uncle, a brother, sister, to every single follower of Jesus Christ, every single person that professes the name of God, you have become a part of their family. But somewhere along the line, we separated the two and say that I can have a personal relationship with Jesus without ever engaging in a community because I have my family. That's not accurate Bible teaching. That's not accuracy. And I want to encourage you today to consider this because the Bible teaches very, very clearly that you cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ and not be a part of a church. Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you have become a brother and sister in Christ. You have become a part of a greater spiritual family. So the moment you became a follower of Jesus Christ, you became a part of a family that was bigger than yourself. But many of us choose to say, I'm not going to engage in the spiritual family. I'm only going to engage in the natural family. And I want to encourage you today that there is so much more that God has for you than just your natural family. In fact, in the scripture here, uh, we see uh, in, in, in Matthew chapter 12, I'll read it in just a moment. I was reading an article on, on Focus on the Family. And it says, God can't be second. So if family is first in our hearts, then family has become an idol. When any one of us makes family an idol, we begin slowly, surely pushing God out of our life. Timothy Keller says this in Counterfeit God. Idolatry is turning a good thing into an ultimate thing. Or he says, turning a good thing into a God thing. The human heart takes good things like a successful career, love, material possessions, and even family, and turns them into an ultimate thing. Our hearts deify them as the center of our lives because we think they can give us significance and security, safety, and fulfillment if we attain them. Author and pastor Kevin DeYoung said this. He's married and has eight children, by the way. He said, a commitment to family must not come before your commitment to God. And according to the Bible, the family is good, the family is necessary, the, fa the family is foundational, but the family is not ultimate. See, the family, our natural family, is absolutely a place where you and I can experience the absolute kingdom of God in our lives. But if you think that that is it, you're misguided. There is actually a broader reality when it comes to serving Christ. What we have to understand is our spiritual family was given to you and me, and they hold just as much value to be a part of a local church as your natural family at home. That is a crazy truth, but it's, it's the truth. And that you can experience tremendous, tremendous impact in your life by being a part of your local church, by being a part of your community. Look at the scripture in Matthew, Matthew 12. While he was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers showed up. Jesus' mother and brothers. They were outside trying to get a message to him. And someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are here waiting to speak with you. And Jesus didn't respond directly. He just said this. He didn't even talk to them. He said it to somebody else. Who do you think my mother and brothers are? He then stretched out his hand toward his disciples. Look closely. These are my mother and brothers. Obedience is thicker than blood. The person who obeys my heavenly Father's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. 
Another part of the story, it says that a, a crowd gathered together, and they cannot, he says, the, Jesus and the disciples, they cannot even eat bread. And so the relatives, having heard, heard that this was happening, and that they were trying to lay a hold on Jesus, they thought that Jesus was out of his mind for doing ministry and focusing on the spiritual family. They said he's lost his mind, he's gone crazy, and they came to Jesus to try to stop him from pursuing the spiritual family. Now listen, as I study this, this is what I felt like God wanted me to say to some of you. Don't allow your mindset about your natural family keep you from what God wants to do in your life through the spiritual family. You might be a part of a family that doesn't believe in God. Don't allow a natural family to keep you from what God wants to do in your life through the spiritual family. There's something significant about every follower of Jesus Christ being a part of a local church, being a part of the body of Christ, being a part of the family of believers, using your spiritual gifting, being a part of what God is doing in the world today. And that only happens through your spiritual family, not just your natural family. There is something you can get in your spiritual family that you cannot get in your natural family. I wanted to bring this to your attention today because I want you to know that there is a hidden treasure with your church. There's a hidden treasure with whatever church you're a part of. There's a beautiful hidden treasure there that if you can invest your life into your natural family and invest your life into your spiritual family, guess what's going to happen? You're going to experience the satisfaction and fulfillment of God in your life. You're going to experience something tremendous in your life and in your heart. And we've seen both happen. And on with this, you've seen both of these ideas happen. You've seen people neglect their family for the church. And you've seen people neglect the church for their family. Look at these two scriptures say. Matthew 10, 37. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. He also says in 1 Timothy 5, 8, Paul does, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse off than unbelievers. Now, those are two heavy verses, but it shows you the extreme realities of how important the spiritual and natural family are. That a natural family is not more important than God. A spiritual family isn't more important than your natural family. They are both together vitally important for your life. So we got to find a balance where we can experience this beautiful, valuable treasure that God has and being a part of investing into our natural family and being a part of investing into our spiritual family. How do we do that together and experience the kingdom of God in our lives? See, this man walked by this field. And as he walked by the field, and he looked over, he saw that there was amazing hidden treasure he had never seen before. Maybe you're here today and you're not a part of the church, or maybe you've been distant for a while. I want to encourage you, take a step forward. Take a step forward towards the local church today. Take a step forward towards your spiritual family by joining a group today. Come on, get in a group today. Be a part of the family. Maybe you've been neglecting your natural family. And maybe there's some stuff going on in your family where you haven't been able to deal with all the chaos or the drama or the unforgiveness or the bitterness. I want to encourage you today, go back to that place. And just like Jesus, how he served you and me, I would encourage you today, go make reconciliation. Go seek forgiveness. Go make restitution. Go invest into that relationship. Go invest into that family. And I want to make you a promise today. You will experience a deep, massive satisfaction in your life. Because here's the goal. Here's the mission. And I'll end with this last statement. Here's the mission. If you can serve your natural family and invest into that. 
and you can serve your spiritual family and invest in it, guess what's going to happen? You're going to see God's purposes fulfilled in your life. And you know what God's purposes are? Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with everyone across this world. And people will see your family and be like, whoa, there's something different about these people. And people will see you a part of your local church and like, man, these people are different. Why? Because the reason we exist is to spread the name of Jesus Christ that all might come to the saving knowledge of Jesus and experience the blood of Jesus Christ, how he forgives us of all of our sin and all of our unrighteousness and transforms our lives and makes us new creatures in him and transforms our hearts and our minds. You can experience that again today too. Today, you can experience that transformation by simply accepting Jesus Christ into your life. Come on, I want to pray for you today. If you're here today and you're watching and maybe you've never uh, been to church before or maybe you've never watched a, a message online or, or maybe you're uh, invited here today, maybe you don't know the Lord, I want to give you an opportunity to invite Him into your life. It's actually really easy. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. All He wants is your heart. He doesn't need your behavior right now. He just needs your heart. And if you give him your heart, I promise you, he'll work with you on your behavior. He'll work with you on the areas of life you're struggling. He'll work with you where you feel hopeless and lost and broken. Jesus is such an amazing God that when you give your heart to him, he just takes over. And as you go down the flow of life with God, you'll find that God's way is so much better than our way. So come on today. If you want to accept Jesus Christ in your life, all you have to do is this out loud. You just got to say, Lord, I confess that you're God and I want you in my life. You can just do that right now. I confess that you're God and I want you in my life. And in your heart, believe that today. And the Bible says you're saved. Now let's get you into a great local church. Let's get you into a great local church wherever you're at today. We want to know who you are. We want to meet you. We want to hear about your story. So you can email me at info at lovecitychurch.ca. I'd love to hear more about your life and that you gave your life to Jesus. And right now, I want to pray for every family. Lord, I pray for every family. I pray your grace would be poured out on all, all moms and dads and all family units and all uh, single folks who, who live with their parents. And Lord, just the whole family situation, I pray right now, God, that you would help them go back to their family and begin to serve and invest into that field that they might find this hidden treasure. Lord, those who fall far from the church or far, have been burned by the church, today I pray they'd make a decision to jump back into that spiritual family and watch, God, how you begin to pour out your purposes on their life. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.